You're listening to Leaders Unedited with Keo, a monthly podcast where your host and Keo CEO, Margaret Mansfield, sits down with inspiring leaders making waves in Australia and beyond. Welcome to another episode of Leaders Unedited. I'm your host, Margaret Mansfield, and I'm delighted to have with me today the CEO of the Royal Flying Doctor Service of Western Australia, Rebecca Tompkinson. Welcome, Rebecca. Thanks, Margaret. It's a pleasure to be talking with you. Lovely to have you. Now, I, I'm sure this is a question you get asked a lot, but what went through your head when you were offered the role of CEO of such a loved, iconic organisation? Uh, there's genuinely a moment of, oh my gosh, um, and then uh, a real sense of humility. Um, it's extraordinary, the story of the RFDS, and to have the opportunity to be a part of such an important Australian story um, and to fully understand the responsibility um, that comes with continuing to build on that 90-year legacy is incredibly humbling. So a big gulp moment, I would expect. Sincerely, and I know leaders aren't yeah. quite supposed to talk about it like that, but absolutely. <laughs> yeah. and, and I think that that is a genuine appreciation of the complexity of the organisation. So today um, and throughout the last um, you know, year, we've done a little on 28 flights a day in WA. Um, we've done the biggest year in the history of our service ever. And in coming in, um, looking at building the future for the organisation, understanding the integrity of the foundation story, but also shaping that for what we find um, nearly 100 years later uh, is such an important co-design piece for us and our team. So that's a really interesting um, paradox, you know, working, building on this legacy mm. and then also making changes for the future. So mm. how easy was it for you to make changes when you stepped into the role? Yeah, I don't think uh, change um, is ever an easy piece for um, organisations and certainly um, established entities um, as they look to emerge into uh, future industries or embrace uh, what is occurring with uh, technology or indeed disruption in markets. Uh, I feel that um, I was in a very fortunate position where the board was clearly looking for a future direction. Um, so having that clarity coming into role around shaping what the next uh, 10 years looked like for the organisation. The first thing I really did was spend a lot of time just on my own um, going across, we operate across all 2.5 million square kilometres of WA and uh, we've got bases uh, in Broome, um, in Port Hedland, in Mekathara, in Kalgoorlie and of course at Jandicott uh, and talking to all of our teams. One of the really special things about the Royal Flying Doctor Service here in WA is that we live and work in the communities in which we operate uh, and I, I spent time just listening to everyone everybody to get a sense of where we were at um, and then I shared what I'd heard um, to work together to build what we all saw was the future for the organisation and I think that's the important part about change is it can't just be done to an organisation it needs to be something in which the organisation itself is looking to value um, identifies and actually has a deep appreciation needs to occur because then we've got a vested interest together to build on that. Mm, absolutely. 
And one of the things you talk about in that, you know, looking at the next 10 years in your strategy is you mentioned collaboration a lot. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, collaboration with health partners, collaborations with communities, with a whole bunch of uh, really important stakeholders. How would you define collaboration for the RFDS? It's um, so important. Uh, Collaboration has to come from a genuine place. Um, So for us, uh, working alongside particularly Aboriginal communities, we work really closely with Aboriginal medical services um, and we come in at that invitation and and not um, with any sense of... um, expertise um, because we're working with a community that already has those, but we are adding to that skill base. Um, So collaboration in its authentic sense is really listening to each other and truly respecting the different views that the organisations bring to the table because then we get the best possible outcome for the people that we are there to provide a service for. And for us, um, we are part of a huge network of healthcare providers in WA um, and we play a small part in a much bigger system and and a part that's very important. So really understanding the strength that we can bring uh, and then being able to leverage the strengths of the other organisations, we are able to get the best result for people. So that collaboration is appreciated, particularly as West Australians, because it is a big place um, and it's got a small population, that we're much stronger together. And I think that uh, being able to bring the respective skill sets uh, really ensures that we're able to provide a stronger service, one that's bigger than any individual part of it. And how do you build... So a lot of uh, organisations we work with, they speak about collaboration and they, they talk about building this capability inside the organisation. How are you building that collaboration muscle inside your organisation? Yeah, it's a great question. And, and I think as a community benefit organisation, and I don't say this as a, a kind of a criticism of, of the sector in any way, but traditionally it's been hardest to invest in our people um, because we're very focused on the service delivery component of that piece and the funding mechanisms sometimes limit what we're able to uh, be able to provide in that development space. And what's been fantastic about the last sort of 10 years in the community benefit sector is that focus on people. Um, And for us as an organisation, we are a service that delivers a service to people um, by people. So our people are absolutely our most important asset. And the more we can invest in them um, to really ensure that they have the skills um, and I think as well with collaboration, the language um, and the techniques uh, to be able to Uh, invest the time that it takes to really have those collaborative conversations and to really build authentic um, partnerships is about a relationship and relationships take time and often, particularly in business, um, that time is is very precious and we need to ensure that we are are able to provide our people with that level of time. That's been challenging, um, particularly over the last few years. Um, I know everyone, every single organisation, as we've all uh, looked to what we need to do to manage COVID-19. For us, it's changed every part of our operating model um, and our teams have needed to work with that as well as new infection control measures. And then, of course, learning more about how we operate as an organisation and what collaboration really means to each other. So how has the pandemic tested your leadership specifically? Yeah. <laughs> it's changed, obviously, it has. changed your organisation significantly, but what about your leadership? 
Yeah, um, I think a real moment for me, and I, it's hard uh, to recall for people because, you know, when the pandemic first occurred at the beginning of uh, 2020 there, um, it was truly terrifying, Margaret. Like, I, I think it can't be understated just how literally terrifying. You know, we were getting real-time information from the emergency uh, departments in London, in New York, in, in Rome. Um, our clinicians had colleagues, friends who, who were dying um, from something that we still knew very little about. And we were on the front line of the provision of those services to look after people in WA. And, you know, uh, as a team, we were going to need to send our people into an unknown environment, knowing that the impact globally was um, people dying. And so that's a really confronting place to be as a leadership group and as a leader to the most important part of my role is to ensure the well-being and safety of each and every one of our team members. And we just didn't know. Um, yet we also knew that it was so important to West Australians that we were able to provide a service, one that was relied upon. Um, so we had, as a team, come together to put to in place the best possible risk mitigation strategies we could, the best possible uh, provision of um, personal protective equipment that we could um, and worked closely with our clinicians and all of our team members to ensure that they had confidence in the processes uh, that we were implementing. And we have been part of the response for WA since the very beginning. We did the repatriation of the uh, West Australians who came into WA at Learmont. At, uh, they were the first ones to arrive back from the Wuhan province. Um, and we flew uh, people to Perth. And we were also part of the Diamond Princess uh, repatriation that came into Darwin from overseas and, and flew patients there as well. So and we've been refining those techniques ever since. It really does demonstrate the importance of a team. It's an absolute team effort. There wasn't any single individual who could have done that. We needed to be together to make the best possible decisions for our people. And I've learned uh, more than anything um, just how much stronger we are when we operate together as a team and we rely on each other's respective skill sets to really get the best possible outcome. Obviously, I learned that a sense of humour uh, can go a long way <laughs> in some very challenging circumstances. I can imagine. Gosh, it's like uh, sending people really into battle if you, you know, yeah. if you like. It's you know, you don't know what the outcome's really going to be. We we genuinely didn't, yeah. and and obviously, you know, um, we know much more, mm. and that's a, a fantastic piece mm. to be, and it, it's a true credit. Uh, to the uh, West Australian uh, government's leadership, uh, also that of the health care industry, uh, that we have the position that we do. Um, but it can't be underestimated some of the components that sort of contributed to particularly those early days and what it was like, the courage, um, and that's what I've, you know, absolutely taken away is, you know, I knew that our people were amazing, um, but it is just truly a privilege to see the absolute courage and commitment um, that every single person has individually shown um, to be able to provide the response that we have. That's just amazing. Fantastic. And often those folks go unrecognised a lot. You know, we talk about sporting people and, you know, people in society that get lots of accolades, but it's folks 
you know, that are in the RFDS that should really be recognised and lauded for their courage and bravery. Yeah, and, and absolutely to that collaboration piece, um, it's a real team effort. So it's everyone from the emergency department in the hospital to the St John's Ambulance Service team, uh, the Aboriginal Medical Services on the ground, um, Silver Chains Medical Posts and their nursing teams, um, the general community members. Um, you know, people talk a lot about, I have the great privilege of representing a quintessential Australian story, really. You know, John Flynn, 90 years ago, um, saw a problem, as an Australian does, and um, and that was the ability to deliver healthcare to really remote areas, and he went about solving that. And, you know, today, you know, we don't send a Band-Aid, we send a plane to some of the most remote places anywhere in the world, as only an Australian would do. Um, and at a time when we're so uh, accessible with technology and, you know, we've got iPhones and watches that sort of talk to each other, I think that sense of purpose is what we represent. And I still feel that people want to connect with a sense of purpose, what it really means to be part of a community and how to contribute. And I think our pandemic response has shown that as well, that it's a whole of West Australia response. Fantastic. And that connection to purpose is becoming so much more important. Yep. Yeah. yeah, we've learned a lot about that as people, haven't we? Yeah. That what um, they talk about that as the great um, shift, yes. the great um, movement away as people are asking themselves, is this what I really want to do? Yeah. Now you talked um, a little bit earlier about when you first came in and you had conversations with the board and obviously a CEO always needs the support and endorsement of the board, but yep. you yourself are chair of the Wheat Belt Development Commission. I am. Um, and that board, uh, that chair CEO role is such an important one, but often one that has a lot of positive tension, if you like. Yeah. So what did you learn, you know, when you stepped into a CEO role, what was the learning you got as a chair and vice versa in terms of how you might work that relationship dif differently? Yeah, I feel that um, I, I, I like to think, and obviously um, I have to ask my CEO, uh, that I'm genuinely a better chair because I do appreciate um, the roles and responsibilities of the CEO and the very significant difference between what a CEO needs to deliver for an organisation and the responsibilities and the strategic direction, the risk and due diligence undertaken by a board. Um, so I really feel there's an enhanced sense um, as a chair. Uh, I like to use the adage of staying out of the way to a certain extent for my chief executive because um, I have the immense privilege with the board uh, experience that I have as a CEO, where the board has set a very clear direction. Uh, we've developed a very structured risk analysis um, and a clear understanding of those deliverables. And as a leadership team, it's our responsibility to deliver on those. Um, and being able to see that operate at the level that it does within the Royal Flying Doctor, uh, then I'm able as a chair to hopefully emulate that. Um, but of course, um, that's my sense of <laughs> what that experience is really like. Um, but I do feel it, it, it does enable that clear understanding Understanding of the difference between the roles. Um, but I would absolutely concur that the relationship between a chief executive um, and a, particularly the board chair is, is absolutely integral to the delivery of that strategy. It really is. So what's uh, next for RFDS and, and the CEO? What's your hope for the next five years? 
Yeah, uh, it's, it is very exciting. Um, there's been significant disruption for across healthcare. Um, I know that's a very obvious statement for people right now. Um, before COVID, we were working um, with our um, ICT strategy. Uh, technology is moving in leaps and bounds in healthcare. I talk a lot about space is next for the RFDS and sometimes I get a little, you know, people kind of go seriously. Um, but in it, it, quite genuinely, it, that's no more audacious than John Flynn, if you look contextually 90 years ago, saying he was going to put a doctor in a plane and send them you know, to deliver healthcare because even planes were in their infancy at that stage. Um, so what we are really um, skilled at is the delivery of remote care and the delivery of that in a way with very specialised clinicians and space is another new outback adventure in a different kind of way and particularly in WA because the remote technologies that have been developed through mining um, and the applications of those across other industries to be able to partner with that to deliver healthcare in that environment I really do feel is very exciting and certainly leveraging the opportunities that technology will deliver. We've seen the uh, advancement of telehealth um, through COVID-19. Um, we've seen the application of uh, new technologies for diagnostics um, and certainly as a um, community, the more that we can embrace uh, what technology can deliver for us. And that's the muscle memory that you sort of referred to that we're looking to build as an organisation. I'd love to say to everything, everyone, I should say, that there's not going to be any more change, but that's the piece that's the most consistent is there's going to be change. Um, but building muscle memory to be able to manage through that's important. That sounds exciting. I think so. <laughs> and I think it's... Uh, daunting, but exciting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and genuinely that sense of um, possibility, you know, patients are at the centre of everything that we do. And, you know, we've continued to innovate over those 90 years, uh, a little bit like a Benjamin Button, where, you know, we kind of get younger with age. Um, and, and we need to continue to, I know they're quite buzzwords at the moment, but agility and flexibility, uh, we need to continue to build that into our organisation. And, you know, what we are seeing, you know, we brought on board the Rio Tinto Lifelight PC-24. We're the first to use that jet aircraft capability for aeromedical service delivery anywhere in the world. And we were the first to do that here in Western Australia. It's quite amazing. And um, earlier this year, we brought on board the two EC-145s, uh, Fortescue Helimed helicopters. Um, we're the first in Australia for the Royal Flying Doctor Service to use rotary wing aircraft for an inter-hospital transfer. So, you know, those are very exciting developments for our patients. And at the end of the day, uh, that's what it's all about is that patient care. And I don't think people kind of uh, put technology innovation and RFDS in the same sentence, but it's clearly been at the forefront of your strategy and your ability to do so much more. Uh, for the communities and for patients. And I think that's a really big part of what uh, being a community benefit organisation enables us to do is that investment into our people and into our technologies and our corporate partnerships to really be able to cement the relationship with the community. We're very privileged that West Australians generously fundraise and contribute to us each and every year. Um, and we use that to be able to enhance the capability of the service. And certainly John Flynn's mantle of safety 
was all about continuing to deliver the very best possible care we could, regardless of where you lived or worked in, in, in Australia. Uh, and in order to do that, we need to embrace those technologies, um, as daunting as some of that can be, and sometimes as audacious as a statement like going to space may imply, um, you know, our clinicians, our engineers, our pilots, our flight nurses, our administration team, our risk, our audit teams are just incredible in their uh, ability to interpret and um, deliver in remote settings. Um, we actually built freezers for the back of the aircraft to take the um, Pfizer vaccination um, out into remote communities. And, you know, the engineers, right down to being able to, with pieces of wood, separate the vials so they didn't rattle in flight. It's quite extraordinary mm. just how creative and, and um, really... Um, innovative um, people are. I can see there's so much excitement still left in you <laughs> in terms of doing this role. Um, my last question to you is, you know, knowing what you know now, all the experience and wisdom you've gained, particularly in this role, but in other roles, yeah. what advice would you give to your much younger self starting out in her career? <laughs> ah, <laughs> wear sunscreen, I think, is the <laughs> adage. Um, um, that's actually true. Um, I think it's a, it's a, um, you, you can't know enough about yourself. Um, and what I feel is really important is to continue to, um, I know possibly Margaret, not so much to someone like you, but I, I sort of talk about that um, I'm, I have a little bit of a, um, I see the possibility a, a lot and, and sometimes that can be overwhelming for other people and being able to um, just understand how you see the world and the way in which you make decisions, the more you know about that, um, the more you can leverage that to really work with the skills and attributes of the team rather than have some of those behaviours inadvertently not be the very best uh, way in which the organisation can grow and develop. So for myself, the more you can invest in understanding how you think, the more you can invest in understanding the way in which you uh, operate as a leader, particularly in stressful environments, then the stronger that is for the world. Fantastic, Rebecca. Look, I look forward to seeing uh, RFTS go into space in whatever shape or form that takes, <laughs> but perhaps your team will buy you a space suit next. Thank you. Oh, wow. That, yeah, I look forward to that. I look forward to that. But thank you very much for speaking with us. Pleasure. Absolutely pleasure. Thanks, Margaret.